Well, good evening again, and welcome to Grace Community Church Wednesday night service. Uh, like I said, if I didn't get a chance to speak to you, I'm sorry. But uh, it's good to see y'all. I'm glad to be here tonight. And if you're tuning in online, uh, we're glad to have you too. Thank you for thank you for tuning in. But uh, let me go ahead and open us up in prayer, and we'll get right into tonight's message. Father, thank you for another opportunity to get up here and uh, preach what you've laid on my heart this week. God, I just pray for everybody that's here, everybody that's watching online. I pray that you'd uh, help us just lay aside all of our cares, Lord, for the day, the things that we're worried about that's still in all our focus, and help us, Lord, to just be present right now and uh, to listen to what it is you have for us tonight. And God, I pray that you'd help us to remember these things and uh, not only remember them, but help us to apply these things to our life, Lord, so that we can bear the fruit that you want us to bear. And we'll give you the glory for that. And it's in Jesus Christ's name I do pray. Amen. Uh, i got a, a question for you to start with. Uh, did anybody do their, their homework last week? I gave you homework at the end of the, the message last night, or last week. Does anybody remember what the homework was? All right. Well, I'll, I'll give it to you again. Uh, our homework was just two verses in Isaiah. It's Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. And uh, what I asked you to do was to have a conversation with yourself. These verses are God talking to mankind, but it's a good way to examine ourselves uh, and the way I presented it last week, it's like the old you talking to the new you. You know, the old man talking to the new man. If you're in Christ, you know, then things should have changed. There should be a change in you. So the homework was uh, to have this conversation with yourself. You know, like I said, the, the old you and the new you. And I, I really hope you do this because it's a really good way to see the areas where you're growing in Christ and it'll encourage you to keep growing. and uh, Or it may point out areas where you haven't grown, that you still need to grow. But the verses say, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. But like I said, it, that's a conversation we have with ourselves. Uh, you know, you don't have to ask somebody else, do you think I'm growing in Christ? Because most of us won't do that, you know. But it's easy to have a conversation with myself and ask myself those questions. You know, if you're honest with yourself, you'll be able to tell pretty quickly if you're growing in Christ or not. You know, has my heart really changed? Like it says in verse 8, you know, is the way I'm thinking now different than the way I was thinking before Christ? Are my ways different than they were before I knew Christ? And if the answer is no, then uh, we need to figure out why it's not changing. Because we're supposed to be new creatures in Christ. You know, am I treating people the way God wants me to treat them? And uh, the reason that I give you homework is because that's where the change takes place. You know, just sitting here listening to me, that, that don't really change you. But if you actually take what you're hearing and do it and apply it to your life, that's where the change takes place. And that's why I give you homework. And that, I think that's a good exercise 
to have that conversation with yourself about the old new, the old you and the new you. You know, I was thinking, we were talking about it last night in Celebrate Restoration, and I was thinking about me nine years ago. And uh, my thought life is completely different than it was nine years ago. Uh, my ways are completely different than they were nine years ago. So I urge you again uh, to do that and, you know, do that homework yourself. Take a good look at yourself and examine yourself. You know, Pastor Josh has been talking about the proof of Jesus in our lives on Sunday mornings in Second Corinthians chapter 6. And uh, Pastor DJ, he's been talking about life application on Tuesday nights at Celebrate Restoration. You know, we can hear all these things and learn all these things, but if we're not applying them, and there is no change, then it's useless. Uh, you know, that's one of the things we heard was you can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you don't apply it, if you don't use it, it's useless. And there'll be no proof in your life. And there'll be no fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. Uh, you know, without not just hearing things and not just learning things, but doing them and actually applying those things in your life actually doing our homework. You know, we should have homework every time we go to church, whether it's, you know, assigned to us or not. You know, the things that we hear, the things that we learn in church, we should take those home and do them and learn from them. Uh, James chapter 1 and verse 22, it says, But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. You know, we're just deceiving ourselves if we think things are going to change just because we come to church or just because we hear something or learn something. We actually have to do what it says. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, examine yourselves. And that's what our homework was for last week. Whether you be in the faith or not, prove it to yourself. Know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobate, reprobates. So examine your own self and prove to yourself that you are in Christ and that Christ is in you. And uh, I hope you take that seriously and do that. And again, that was Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. Just have that conversation with yourself. You know, it don't take but just a minute to do two verses. But I guarantee you, if you really do them uh, with your heart, You'll, you'll meditate on that for a couple of days. You'll be thinking about your old ways and how I used to think and how I used to act. And you'll be thinking about myself today. You know, has there been any change? You know, have that conversation with yourself. And if there's no change between the old you and the new you in your heart, and that's what we're talking about is our heart. It's not that much about our actions. You know, the only way your actions change is if your heart has changed. And if you can't see that in yourself, uh, you know, I hope that gets your attention. And I hope you'll find somebody that's strong in, strong in their faith and ask them to come along beside you and give you some guidance. Ask them to help you. Uh, I know Garrett, he's one of our elders. He's all the time discipling people. He'll take you one-on-one -on -one and go through a, a program that he has. And, uh, you know, I try to do some of that myself, too. But there's always somebody at the church that's willing to help you if you're wanting to grow in your faith, but you're not seeing the results that you want. You know, if we're just coming to church and we're not changing, we're not growing, you know, that's not what 
church is for. Church is for us to grow, to change. And if we're not seeing that in our own lives, then uh, I think we should personally ourselves want to change, want to grow, and want to become more like Christ. And tonight's message kind of goes right along with that. Uh, How many of y'all were here on Sunday morning and heard Pastor Josh's message? You know, that that was a really good message, but he made a statement in that message, and it it was a short statement, but it really stuck out in my mind. He said, it's just a rock. You know, he was talking about the different things that we're tempted with, and he was referencing where Jesus was being tempted in Matthew 4 and verse 3, where Satan told him, you know, if you really are the Son of God, commanded those stones to be made bread. But, uh, you know, no matter what we're being tempted with, no matter how good it looks, no matter what I tell myself, trying to convince myself that this is what I need, or this is what I want, or this is what's going to... Uh, make everything better, you know, if we tell ourselves the truth, that's just a rock. It's a dead thing. It's not good for you. It's not good for me. And, you know, no matter what I do with it, in the end, it's still just a rock. And we've got to do with the things that we're tempted with is what Jesus did in verse 4. You know, even if I could turn bread or turn a rock into bread, which I can't, uh, Jesus said, that's not what I need. I need God. That rock is dead, but God gives life. You know, we can't look to things uh, to give us life. Only God can do that. And I think we've all had rocks in our lives that we put our trust in and our faith in and our desires in. And then it's only when that falls apart and our rock fails us, you know, it's only then that we realize it was worthless. You know, we, we deceived ourselves like we just read in James. That I know if I do this, this is going to fulfill me. If I, if I had that, that would fulfill me. If I had them, that would fulfill me. And uh, that's not the case. If you have Christ, he will fulfill you. Because the rock has no power, it's dead. You know, maybe your rock was a person, and you put all your hopes and your trust and your faith in them. You know, maybe it was a bank account, and you put all your hope and your, your faith and your trust in your money. You know, maybe it was the drugs or alcohol that you used to cope with life, no matter what it was or is, if you're still there. If it's not Jesus, it will fail you at some point. It will fail you in the end. And that's the same idea that we're going to be talking about tonight, not the rock. But it's the same mindset that if I just had that, you know, that's going to satisfy me. That'll fix everything. Now, that's the mindset that makes us think that the grass is greener on the other side. And uh, while I was thinking about it, uh, what Josh said about it's just a rock, you know, that really stuck in my head. And uh, God started giving me ideas about the grass is greener on the other side. And I was picturing my mind uh, like a subdivision, you know, everything's divided and there's fences between the houses. And you got fences and hedges and Everything's just divided up into, you know, yours and mine. And uh, that's where comparison starts coming into play. You know, when it becomes yours and mine, and uh, that's when we start comparing ourselves to others. And that's not good. Paul says in Second Corinthians 10 and verse 12 that we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. 
but they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. When we start comparing what we have to what other people have, that's when we start becoming unsatisfied and unthankful and ungrateful for what we do have. We forget all about what we do have, and all we want is what they have. So that's what I'm going to be talking about tonight. And I had this picture in my head of a, you know, a fence in a yard, and uh, looking over the fence in that yard is greener than this yard, and this yard has nothing but dirt in it, and this yard is full of junk. You know, we keep comparing all these different yards, and then God told me just back up before the subdivision, before the fences, before the houses were built, you know, it all started the same. It was all just a big field. All the grass is the same. We're the ones that divide it. Uh, and you see that a lot around here. Somebody gets old and the farm gets sold, and uh, they turn that farm into a subdivision. And I wanted you to get that picture in your head so that we'd all be on the same page of it all starts out as just a big open field of grass. And then what happens? You know, it goes up for sale, and then dreams are born. A young couple sees a lot there, and they have dreams and visions of what life could be together on that piece of grass. And then uh, I was wondering where I was going to put this illustration. I guess that's a good time as any to, to set it up. But I've got some grass. And like I said, this is the field. And all the grass is the same. There's no difference in this side or that side. All the grass is the same. It looks the same. And then we pick out our piece of grass. You know, this is where I'm putting my hope. This is where I'm going to start my new life. Let me get these in place. You'll have to bear with me. I'm slow. So this is our new life. Our grass is clean. We got our fence up. It looks just as clean on both sides. So there's nothing to debate about right there. Uh, so what's the first thing we do when we find our piece of grass? We claim it. This is mine. We'll say this side is my new life right here. So that's mine, and I put a fence around it so you know it's mine. You know, I'm setting up boundaries to protect what is mine, and I'm going to put hedges around it and plant plants and make it beautiful because I'm proud of what is mine. But in the beginning, like I said, all the grass is the same on both sides of the fence. And then my neighbor moves in to the lot right next to me. And his beginning is just like mine. He's full of hope. Everything's brand new. And uh, right now, we're equal. You know, I don't envy him because mine looks just like his. And he's not jealous of me because uh, his looks just like mine. We look the same. And this goes for relationships, too. Uh, you know, whether it's a spouse or a friend, in the beginning, just like the lot that I chose to make my new beginning in a relationship, I chose you. I want you as my own. And, uh, you know, whether it's a spouse or a friend, whatever that relationship is, 
then this is the part where maintenance has to begin. And this is where the grass starts looking greener on the other side. There's a story in Proverbs <coughs> that we'll be going through in Proverbs 24. It talks about a field that sadly a lot of people wind up with and a field that they're no longer proud of, a field that they don't even want anymore, a field that they're ashamed of. And uh, we'll go ahead and read these verses and then we'll go back through them. But in Proverbs 24, verses 30 through 34, he says, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles had covered the face thereof. And the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw, and I considered it well, and I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come as one that travels, and thou want as an armed man. Uh, you know, I've, I've actually had that happen in my life more than once. New beginning, high hopes, new property, brand new house, and then... Through neglect, like we just read there in Proverbs, and the absence of Christ in my life, you know, that's how it turned out for me, in destruction over and over. It's a repetitive cycle. You know, like I said, it starts out brand new, just like this here. Just like it says in verse 30, you know, uh, if I don't have understanding, it's not going to last. The field we're talking about that ended in uh, destruction is because the man was void of understanding. You know, if I go into a relationship, whether it's my spouse or whether it's a friend, if I don't have understanding, if I don't have the Holy Spirit guiding me, uh, I'm just going to go in it, into it to please myself. And that's, that's all of us. If we don't have Christ in our life, all we're left with is our sin nature. And my sin nature wants to take care of me. It don't care about anybody else. You know, when I enter into a relationship, uh, whether it's marriage or friendship, you know, I'm not in it for you. You are in it for me. Uh, I don't care about your desires. I don't care about your needs, your hopes, your happiness. All I need you for is to take care of me and meet my needs. And I'll take care of my needs, too. So all the focus is on me. And uh, a man or a woman that is void of understanding is one-sided. And that's true of all of us without Christ. And that is where verse 31 starts to happen. That's when all these things, the thorns start to grow and the nettles cover the face of it and the stone wall gets broke down. Uh, that's where the neighbor's yard starts to look better than my yard because the things that I have are not satisfying me anymore. They start to looking greener. You know, understanding uh, says that we're in this together, and it's a partnership. I'll focus on your needs while you focus on my needs, and then both our needs will be met. And all the responsibilities of being in this together, we'll take care of those together. It's not all on you. It's not all on me. It's a partnership. But void of understanding says, this ain't what I signed up for. You know, I just want it brand new and exciting. And the, the news wore off. You're not so shiny anymore. You're getting old. And, uh, you know, we forget that I'm not shiny anymore either. I'm getting old too. And uh, 
you know, where are all these bills coming from? I don't want all these bills. I don't want to do laundry. Where did all these kids come from? You know, I don't have time for all this taking them to school and taking care of them. Where did my peace and quiet go? And this house used to be so easy to keep clean, and now it's dirty all the time. Now my job don't pay for all these people. And that's how our grass grows. And it starts showing if we don't take care of it, if we're not in it <coughs> together. Things start piling up, and our yard starts looking trashy. We get all this stuff piling up. Our bills are piling up. The kids' clothes are everywhere. And my spouse don't look like she used to. And he don't talk to me the way he used to. He don't send me flowers anymore. And... Then is when the neighbor's yard starts looking better than my yard. <coughs> because my yard's not that pretty anymore. It's not new and exciting anymore. We lack understanding. Understanding says that we mature as the grass grows. And I rely on God to show me the path I need to take to grow with my grass, to grow with my spouse, to grow with my friend, to change and be who I need to be for my children. Uh, he shows me that you are my fellow helper in this if we partnered in it to begin with. You know, you're not my enemy, uh, whether you're a spouse or a friend. I, I can see you through Christ for what you are. You're a blessing to me. You're a helper for me. And I should be a helper for you, too. <clears throat> you know, the grass didn't change. The grass is still the same. Uh, it's not the grass's fault. It's whoever's taking care of the grass. You know, they both came from the same field. This side still looks good. If the neighbor's grass looks greener, it's probably because he's doing some mowing over there that I'm not doing. He's trimming some hedges. Uh, we did a whole message on this a couple of months ago out of Proverbs 4 and verse 26. It says, ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. You know, what that means is take a good look at your life and think about where it's heading and start making preparations now for what's coming later. You know, and you don't wind up with this. You know, Make preparations for you. i got to figure out, you know, how am I going to grow to be what I need to be when it gets to this point? And for the other people in your life, make preparations for your kids. But some of us get so caught up in the new beginning vision that we never let it go. And in the end, we'll wind up despising the blessings that we have, uh, you know, the expansion of our little bitty kingdom that we have at home, uh, We'll start despising that because it don't line up with the brand new vision that we started out with. You know, remember in the beginning, you know, I choose this grass because I love it, because I want it, because it's beautiful. And I chose you. I chose this relationship. But if we still have that vision of the new beginning in our mind and our life ain't new anymore, you know, things pile up. 
And if we don't mature and grow with it, and we still have that vision, then it's not going to look like that vision. You know, like I said, if you're talking to yourself, your spouse, you aged, but my vision didn't. You still got this vision in your head of we're young, we're youthful, it's exciting, so you don't fit my vision anymore. And that's how marriages get <coughs> tore apart. That's how people don't spend time with their kids because they never matured themselves. And without Christ, we'll never mature. You know, it's good to have those visions. It's good to have a new beginning. But we have to mature as life goes on. Life don't stay the same. And, uh, you know, we'll get stuck in that that endless cycle of it has to be the beautiful new beginning because when it's not that anymore, I'm, I'm out of here. And, uh, you know, in my new beginning vision, there weren't any kids in my vision. There wasn't all this responsibility in my vision. All I could see was the green grass and the new fence. But, uh, you know, your neighbor over here, he's got bills too. And the neighbor's grass has to be cut too. And if the neighbor's house has new paint on it, uh, somebody painted it. It don't just get done by itself. If their kids have more manners than yours, then somebody trained them to have those manners. Uh, you know, chances are they're living life the way God intended for them to live it. If their spouse is happy and smiling, there's probably a reason for that. Just like if yours is not, there's probably a reason for that. The Bible says to have friends, you must show yourself friendly. And like I keep saying, life don't stand still. It takes maintenance, and it takes change, and it takes growth, and it takes maturing. And maturing only happens, <clears throat> you know, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not picking on anybody. I'm telling you what happened to me in my own life because I was not following Christ, and I did not have the Holy Spirit. I've started over more times than I'd like to admit, and it all ends in the same place, chasing that that vision of the new beginning. Everything's going to be okay because it's all brand new. Nothing ever stays brand new, ever. You know, we can't mature our sin nature. It just don't happen. Maturing only happens when we truly submit our heart to Christ, and it's not all about me anymore. And I care about the people in my life enough to actually mature and change as life changes. Uh, Proverbs 24, 24, verse 31, if you'll go back there, Travis, you know, it is sad that things wind up like that. Uh, but they do if we don't change as life changes. And... Uh, Sadly, most people, or a lot of people, when things get to that point and they look around at this mess, you know, they give up on it. It's so overwhelming, they just walk away from it because they think in their mind they don't believe it can be repaired. And that's not what God says. God says it can be repaired. You know, maybe you come from a long line. Uh, I know I did on on my dad's side of the family, when things get hard and too messed up to deal with and I've got to be responsible to hang in here, then it's time to go. It's time for me to just move on and leave that mess behind and repeat the cycle again. You know, new grass, new beginning, same vision I had before. 
You know, it's going to end the exact same way. But God says we can break that cycle and you can restore your grass. And the generations after you won't have to go through that anymore. <coughs> in the book of Isaiah, again, in verse 58, I mean, chapter 58, in verse 12, it says, And they that shall be of, the, be of you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. The problem with the grass is greener is that when we want the neighbor's grass, somebody always gets hurt. You know, there's, there's never a time when we start comparing like that and we're not happy with our life anymore because it's a mess and we try to just steal the green grass from their neighbor, somebody always gets hurt. And uh, there's never a time that somebody don't get hurt. And there's a story kind of like that in the, the book of First Kings. There was this king called Ahab and his wife Jezebel and he wanted uh, this little guy named Naboth had a vineyard and the vineyard was close to his palace he wanted it and Naboth wouldn't sell it so uh, he comes up with a plan or his wife came up with a plan to take it away from him and uh, to take it away from him she had him killed I want to read that story to you uh, this is first Kings chapter 21 I'm going to read you verses 1 through 16. And, uh, you know, it may seem a little extreme, but this is exactly what we do to people when we want to take what they have because we're not willing to grow up and be responsible so our life looks as good as theirs. When our life looks like that and we want this, we don't want to clean this up. We just want to take over over here. And that's what they're doing right here. It says, Now there was a man named Naboth from Jezreel, who owned a vineyard in Jezreel beside the palace of King Ahab of Samaria. And one day Ahab said to Naboth, Since your vineyard is so convenient to my palace, I'd like to buy it to use as a vegetable garden. And I'll give you a better vineyard in exchange, or if you prefer, I'll pay you for it. But Naboth replied, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance that was passed down by my ancestors. So Ahab went home angry and sullen because of Naboth's answer. And the king went to bed with his face to the wall and refused to eat. He was pouting. And that's what a lot of us do when our life's falling apart and we want it to get better, but we don't want to be the ones to do the work. We pout too because we're not getting our way. Like I said a while ago, our sin nature only cares about how I feel and what I want. And uh, I'm not happy. So I'm going to pout because I'm not getting what I want. And if we keep reading, in verse, his wife asked him, what's the matter? His wife Jezebel asked him, what's made you so upset that you're not eating? I asked Naboth to sell me his vineyard or trade it, but he refused, Ahab told her. Are you the king of Israel or not? Jezebel demanded. Get up and eat something and don't worry about it. I'll get you Naboth's vineyard. And if you've got somebody in your life that's going to, uh, back you up when you're in that kind of a mindset that's not a true friend you know they should say well let me help you fix what's already yours you know not I'll help you steal it from somebody else so his wife wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal and sent them to the elders and other leaders of the town where Naboth lived 
And in her letter, she commanded, call the citizens together for a time of fasting and give Naboth a place of honor. And then seek two scoundrels across from him who will accuse him of cursing God and the king, and then take him out and stone him to death. So the elders and other town leaders followed the instructions Jezebel had written in the letters, and they called for a fast and put Naboth at a prominent place before the people. Then the two scoundrels came and sat down across from him, and they accused Naboth before all the people, saying, He cursed God and the king. So he was dragged outside the town and stoned to death. And the town leaders then sent word to Jezebel, Naboth has been stoned to death. And when Jezebel heard the news, she said to Ahab, You know the vineyard Naboth wouldn't sell you? Well, you can have it now. He's dead. So Ahab immediately went down to the vineyard of Naboth to claim it. And like I said, I know that sounds a little bit extreme, but that is exactly what we do. When we want somebody, what somebody else has, we have to take what they have to get it, you know. In Naboth's case, they killed him because he said, my family's not for sale, my vineyard's not for sale, my grass is not for sale. And, uh, you know, when we're uh, envious of what our neighbor has, if his grass looks greener than mine, there's a reason for that. He cares about what he has. He don't want to give it up. He don't want to give it to you. It's his grass, and he has, takes pride in it. So Naboth said, my family's not for sale. Neither is my vineyard. And if you keep on reading, uh, it, it don't end well for Ahab and Jezebel. It ends really bad for both of them. And when we do that in our lives, you know, when we take away from others what we want because we're not willing to put in the work, it's not going to work out well for us either or anybody else in our lives. Uh, it not only ruins the lives of those we take it from, it's going to ruin our lives too and all the people in our lives. You know, if I kick my neighbor out and move into his place, you know, what do you think is going to happen then? Even if I do get him kicked out like they did in Naboth, uh, what do you think is going to happen then? I'm not going to do the maintenance on that yard either. It's going to lead to destruction just like mine did. It won't take hardly any time, then his yard is going to look just like my yard. All we're doing is moving yards. It's not the grass. There's nothing wrong <coughs> with the grass. It is the gardener. And if we don't learn understanding, if we don't mature, then we're just going to go around destroying yard after yard and killing the grass no matter where we go. So what do we need to do? We need to stay home. And we need to ask God to help us fix our own grass. And he will do it. You know, like we talked about last week, sometimes it takes, you know, things getting pretty drastic. Things getting to a certain point before we'll admit this is not working out. And uh, if you're the common denominator in every situation like I was, then we'll, we need to stop blaming everybody else for the condition that my life is in. <coughs> and we need to admit to God, I need your help, you know. I just keep messing things up. No matter where I go, no matter where I relocate, no matter how many times I start over, it's ending the same. And, uh, you know, that is a good place to be. When you get to that point, uh, from that point right there, I can start cleaning up my yard. And I can start mending some fences. I can ask God for his 
<coughs> for his help. And God will help you. And he'll help you restore your fence that you broke down. You don't have to move. You don't have to take what your neighbor has. You can actually help your neighbor with his yard if he needs some help. But God will help you pay your bills. God will help you with the kids. God will help you with your spouse. God will help you with your friends. God will help you with anything you need help with. But you got to admit you need help, and you got to bring it to God. He's not going to yank it out of your hand. We have to admit, it's. I realize it's me, God. You know, I've been blaming people my entire life. And I've moved and started over, moved and started over so many times. And the end result has been the same each time. When we realize that we are the common denominator and not everybody else in our life, that's actually a good point to be. Because you, from when you realize there's a problem, you can fix the problem. That's why I like giving you homework. Until you know there's a problem, you don't have anything to work on. But when you know there's a problem and you admit there's a problem, that's where you can start and make a new beginning that you can maintain, that you can keep pretty, and you won't be wanting what everybody else has got because you're going to fall in love again with what you already have. And, uh, you know, we've got to realize that the person I'm with is not my enemy. It's the same person. Remember the beginning? You know, I chose you. You know, I just let life in the wrong direction let me lose sight of that. But I can start right here and let God guide me in the rebuilding of my vineyard. You know, like we just did. We pick up all the trash and clean it up. But that's a choice. You know, I can do like we've been talking about. I can give up on it and walk away, leaving the mess for everybody else in my life to pick up. Uh, even though I'm the one that made the mess, or I can make the decision to rebuild with God's help and their help too. You know, most people I've found out, if I'm willing to admit that I was wrong and I'm willing to put into work to rebuild the things that are broken, you don't get judgment for that. You get help. Most people will be like, I am so glad you finally came to your senses. I'm I'm with you. I'm going to help you do this. And, uh, you know, they'll help you make your grass greener. And that'll make your relationship stronger than it has ever been. But we have to have a mind to work. And, uh, you know, that's what the Bible says Nehemiah did when he was rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem after they had been destroyed. You know, they could have just went anywhere. They could have went to Samaria. They could have went, but they didn't want to go there. They wanted to rebuild their hometown. They wanted to rebuild where they were from. They wanted to rebuild Jerusalem. And the Bible says in Nehemiah 4 and verse 6 that they had a mind to work. You know, when our lives get in that kind of shape that was in a minute ago, it takes work. I'm sorry, Travis, did I not put that one in there? It says, so we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together under half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. When you do decide to rebuild your wall, when you do decide to rebuild your life if it's become you know unmanageable you don't have to do it by yourself there's a lot of people that will help you do that and they they'll actually be glad to be a part of helping you get your life straightened out because it's not just your life that you're fixing it's everybody else's 
that's in your life, you know, they're going to benefit from that too. We like to think of I'm living my life by myself. Nobody is living their life by themselves. When we're tearing things down, we're tearing them down for everybody involved. But when we're building things up, when we're fixing things up, then we're building them up for everybody involved too. So it's not just going to benefit you. It's going to benefit everybody in your life. And they'll they'll realize that, and they will help you do that. Uh, and like I said, God will help you rebuild, but you've got to bring it to him. And, uh, you know, sadly, not every relationship can be restored. You know, not everybody wants restoration. Some people love the way they're living, and they don't want change. And, uh, you know, I've seen that a lot in my life. It takes both sides. You can't just have one person decide, I want a new life. I want to give my life to Christ. And, you know, it takes both sides for restoration. Or if you've got a relationship that had abuse in it, you know, God don't want you to stick around and be abused. And uh, a lot of people are not willing to work things out because of unforgiveness or just an unwillingness to restore. You know, not everybody is going to fit into that category. But when you decide, the Bible says, then you need to do everything you can. In Romans 12, verse 18, it says, If it be possible, as much as lies in you, live peaceably with all men. So, if it be possible, that verse says, if there's a chance at all, you know, do everything you can to restore that relationship. Uh, but we can't, we can't expect everybody around us to have that same mindset. Not everybody's going to want restoration. But as much as it depends on us, we need to do everything we can to do that. And uh, like I keep saying, sometimes we need to just go back to the beginning when it was just a field. And remember, I chose this. This was special to me at one time. This was beautiful to me at one time. And I put a fence around it because it was mine and I wanted it. And I put hedges around it because I was proud of it. And I set boundaries up to protect it. And uh, sometimes we just need to remember back and take a good look, uh, you know, of what we had at one point. If it was special then, it can be special now. We just lost sight of it. Or either that or our vision just stayed the same and we never changed as life went on. Those things were special before. They're still special. You know, people age, kids grow up, houses get old, but it should <coughs> it should still be special to you. So we don't need to give up on stuff. So we need to take a good look at our fences and our hedges. If they need to be repaired, you know, find out what it's going to take to fix them. And like that verse says, you know, do everything you can to mend and repair them and not give up on them and just walk away from them. You know, people are not disposable. And <clears throat> unfortunately, in this world, they get treated like they are a lot. Relationships are not disposable. They're worth fighting for. And if we're in Christ, they're eternal. And we should see them as that. You know, we can't start out with somebody and love them with everything in us and then wind up just being total enemies. You know, life is hard. We go through things. But if we're going to... If we mature in Christ, we'll go through those things together. We don't give up on each other. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew 19, 
in verse 26, he says, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So even when we think it's impossible, uh, even when it's a mess like we just cleaned up, with God everything is possible. But we've got to be willing. We've got to be open to change. We've got to be willing to mature and realize it's not all about me. You know, I need to help worry about your needs too. But it all starts with having our new nature in Christ. You know, we can't mature and we can't repair anything with our old sin nature because you just can't tame it. Uh, so if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, that's where it has to start. And I never want to end the message without giving you the opportunity to do that. You know, if your life looks like the mess we had here a minute ago, and it just seems overwhelming, and all you want to do is run away from it, you know, tell God, my life is unmanageable. I need your help. And uh, God will meet you right there. Tell him, I know I'm lost. I know I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. And uh, tell him that from your heart, and God will meet you right there. Uh, Romans 10, verses 9 and 10 says, If you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So if you know in your heart that you need God, that's all you've got to tell him is, God, I know I need you. And ask him to come into your heart and be your Lord, and he will. And if today's the day you've done that, the Bible says just tell somebody that. Tell somebody, today I have gave my life to Christ, and uh, I want to let him be Lord of my life. And the Bible says with that confession, you are saved. But there's so many people that think they've went too far, they're too dirty, they're not worthy, and that's, that's not the case. Romans 10, 13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It don't matter what you've done or we're still doing, even if you're in the middle of sin. Romans 5, 8 says that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's the whole reason God sent him. It says God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So if your life is a mess without Christ, you cannot fix it. But in Christ, uh, like we just read, all things are possible. And you can restore your life. Uh, don't give up on it. Don't run away from it. Bring it to God. And uh, let him help you restore it and your relationships. But uh, back to the homework again. If you didn't get that, I'll give it to you one more time. It's Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. Just have that, have that talk with yourself. Uh, you know, examine yourself and ask yourself, you know, what am I doing that's helping, you know? What am I doing that's helping me grow in Christ? Or ask yourself, you know, what am I doing that's causing damage, that's leading me in the wrong direction? You know, take a good look at your ways like it, like it says in that verse right there. You know, are my thoughts different? Are my ways different? If they're not, then uh, figure out what it is in your life that's keeping you from being what God wants you to be. And uh, he will show it to you, and he'll show you what to do about it. But that's my message for tonight, and I'm, I really hope that gives somebody hope. I hope, I hope it helps somebody to, to get through a tough time if you're going through one. 
but you can't make it through and start a new beginning without doing it God's way. I've tried that over and over. Things get hard. I'll just go new place, new people. It ends the same every time. You know, if we don't change anything, we're going to get the same results no matter where we are, no matter who we're with. If we do it without Christ, it will fail. Uh, but I hope that helps somebody. But that's my message for tonight. And uh, hopefully next week we'll do the the message I was going to do last week and didn't. But we'll see where God leads us. But thank you all again for coming out. And thank you for watching if you're tuning in online. Let me pray for us and we will be dismissed. Father, thank you for that message. I know I needed it in my own life right now, Lord. I'm going through a, a lot of changes. And I know a lot of other people in here are going through changes too. And God, I just pray that you help us to bring those things to you. And I'll let you guide us through them, let you comfort us in them, and let you give us the wisdom that we need, Lord, to, to make the decisions and mature in the areas that we need to mature and just do things in a way that please you and uh, in a way that help us to help each other, God, so we don't feel like we're overwhelmed and in these things alone. God, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for sending your son for us. And uh, we just ask for your guidance, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.